Congress, bipartisanship, and the United States government. Up next on Politically Flowered. So, I'm sorry about that accent. <clears throat> so, we're going to get into nonpartisanship. Nonpartisanship is not being associated with a party. That's my definition. I'm not looking this up. The nonpartisanship in standard is not associating with a political party. Now, we don't see much nonpartisanship anymore, but it used to be how things were back in the 1800s. Partisanship was there, but it was less prevalent. <clears throat> However, partisanship has become more and more mainstream to the point where you can't have a conversation with a single person without expressing your partisan view. That is how our society has become. We have come from racism, from sexism, to partisan, partisanism, when we shouldn't be discriminating at all. But the discrimination between parties is so huge. We have one side the left wing, which is dominated by the Democratic Party. There are many other parties on the left wing. And then we have the right wing, which is dominated by the Republican Party. But there are many other parties. I am talking about the United States politics. I know there's like UK politics. I, I don't know what UK politics is. <laughs> but we have all of these parties Yet they're usually consolidated into two parties. And that's how our partisanship has become. Now that's why people refer to bipartisanship instead of nonpartisanship. Bipartisanship is when two parties are cooperating. You know, so the Democratic Party and the Republican Party come together and pass a bill with no, di no dissenting. <clears throat> that, that is bipartisanship. But if people came together and voted, not dissenting, that would be nonpartisanship. The difference was these people were not associated with a group. They were not associated with a form of government. They were not associated with this caucus, this group, this faction for political funding. They came on their individual terms. And I'm in California right now, and that's how many of our local offices are run. The County Board of Supervisors is usually is usually elected non-affiliated. They're not independents. They're not Republicans. They're not Democrats. They're not li Libertarians. They're not Wilkie Wilson's party. They're not these nuts. They're not the Green Party. They are non-affiliated. <clears throat> what these non-affiliated members are, these non-affiliated members come together, five of them. They come together and they express their views on everything individually. And this can be done on a local level. It's fairly easy because there's no threat of corruption, public or private corruption. It doesn't matter. Um, there's no threat of loss of funding if you go against a particular ideology. This is a non-affiliated way our Congress of the United States of America should work. We should be having representatives from each state represent their constituents, not their political views. I mean, we've seen this with Joe Manchin. He comes in and he's affiliated as a Democrat, yet he represents his constituents' conservative views. However, 
tightly, he might lean to the left and try to keep it there. He still represents them, and that's how he wins the Republican vote. We see in, I think it's California District 22, I believe, Devin Nunes. He's a Republican. He's doesn't get much funding. He's very hated. Like, I don't know why he's there, but he represents his views. No matter how left-leaning they are, he represents their constituents. We have Kevin McCarthy, who does not. He represents the Republican Party. Not his district, not his constituents, not his people that he was elected to stand by and represent in the House of Representatives. He represents, as the minority leader in the House of Representatives, he represents the Republican Party. We have Gavin Newsom. He represents 70% of the people who voted for him in California. He got a landslide victory. He got Republican votes. He was a promising candidate. We all thought he would be great. Like, I'm, I'm not going to give anything away, but I know many Republicans who voted for Gavin Newsom. He was a very promising candidate because he had all the money. And as we're seeing now with Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, Public corruption is becoming way prevalent. <clears throat> we can see special interest groups such as CTA and other workers and teachers unions paying him money for his campaign, giving him, say, $25,000. That's, that's a lot for a campaign. And in return, after he gets elected, he abides to their interests. He gives them funding. He gives them like a $250 million bond, for example, some something along those lines as a result. This is pretty much open public corruption. Now, I'd like to bring in Joe Manchin again. That's Joe Manchin's an example of political corruption. He will most likely not allow D.C. to become a state or remove the filibuster. Because those two things are keeping him in political power of his party. They do his bidding. When they try to pass a bill, they have to do what Joe Manchin wants. They have to do, do what Kristen Sinema wants. They have to do what John Tester wants. John Tester is Montana, um, Manchin is in West Virginia, and Kristen Sinema is in Arizona for reference. And they're all three Democrats. This is political corruption, and that's as a result of our partisan, our extremely partisan parliament or Congress legislature of the United States. If we weren't partisan, we wouldn't have these bills reaching 5,000 pages, covering everything, shoving everything into one bill instead of doing what committees were made for, instead of splitting everything up to allow people to express those views on a smaller scope. Instead, they broaden the range. They generalize everything. They are generalizing infrastructure in an infrastructure bill. They are generalizing everything to fit 5,000 plus pages of parliamentary jargon. They do this, and it gives all the power to the majority and minority leaders. It gives the power to the party leaders, who are then going to get money from special interests, get big checks, with no strings attached on the outside. But in reality, the politicians know why they're giving that given that money. And so they'll look more favorably to a business, to a corporation. We see this with Mitch McConnell all the time. She is with Chuck Schumer. Not as much. 
we see this everywhere. This is political corruption to the max. This is public corruption, yet it's all right because of our partisan ways. If we didn't have our two caucuses, we could have an opposition. We could have a foreign opposition where the members choose what side they're on. They don't even have to have a side. Because in reality, the only thing it does, the only thing these partisan ways do is affect the schedule. The majority leader gets to choose the schedule and what comes to the fore and what doesn't. But in the House of Representatives, we have a solution. We have a bunch of nonpartisan representatives come in and elect a speaker, the Speaker of the House of Representatives. That person has control. We could do the same if we wanted. There's an office called the President Pro Tempore. We could have that an elected office and have them choose the schedule. It would be very unconventional, but it's there. And when you do this, you take the power of the schedule away from the majority party and you give it to the people to who, to who the representatives or the senators elected. We have Nancy Pelosi. She's good at getting money. And if we let her have control of the schedule, I'm not sure what would happen at all, but it definitely would lead to a consolidated, a very consolidated political power in one person elected by representatives who would represent their constituents. But this doesn't always work. This really doesn't. Because if you think about it, you could still have people not affiliated, but they believe in the same ideology. They form a kind of non-formal group to vote in Nancy Pelosi every time. That's still a that's still partisanship in a way. Though it's not openly considered a political party, it's still partisanship. That's what we want to avoid. People are drawn to themselves. And so people are drawn to people similar, but not exactly the same. We have representatives to represent these districts to get these views across. Yet most of these most districts are not represented at all. This is why we have state legislatures in federalism. Without the state legislatures, many laws would be created by Congress without the consent of the people. <clears throat> this is why I've heard people say we should just consolidate all the power in the federal government. That's just enhancing the amount of corruption by removing these local offices, by removing the power for states, those regions, to govern themselves. It puts power on the federal government to act evenly. Though the people, the government is for the people, by the people. It should be controlled by the people's elected representatives. People are like, that's what we have the House of Representatives for. That's how we have the power. Okay. We have the House of Representatives <clears throat> to affect a national scale, to prevent laws overall, over the entire United States, entire United States from affecting them. They spread their views. Yet, as we have seen, many representatives and senators do not. We ran Paul. He represents his people better than some. We had Kamala Harris, who didn't. She did not represent her constituents whatsoever. We have Dianne Feinstein. She kind of did, but did a half-assed job at it. And then we have Mitch McConnell, the, the senior senator from Kentucky. Rand Paul is the junior. He barely represents his constituents. Instead, he takes the checks from corporations to, and controls the schedule when he's the majority leader 
and controls the Republican Party in the Senate. He represents that party, no one else. And when we have Kristen Cinema, who represents properly her constituents, such as Joe Manchin as well. They represent their constituents' known conservative views well, and that's how they get Republican and independent votes. That's how Joe Manchin has been getting Republican votes. Many Democratic um, governors of states who are known to be Republican are elected because they, they conform to their constituents' views and they govern the way that the people want. When you don't govern the way the people want instead of your political ideology, it creates this nonpartisanship. It creates partisanship. And partisanship is inherently non-democratic. When you have partisanship, it again creates a separate layer of government, a separate layer of tyranny. And we had on the Federalist Papers written that no group, a person, a group of persons of like mind, these people holding multiple offices is tyranny. When you have these many historical documents citing tyranny, how it starts, we can see partisanship is the start to tyranny. When you have a Republican triad, the Democrats aren't represented. The Libertarians aren't represented. When you have a Democratic triad, the Republicans aren't represented. The Libertarians aren't represented. If you get the point, Libertarians are never represented. The ideology is practically dead. Authoritarianism now rules, which is what our founders tried avoiding. They tried avoiding partisanship. It immediately failed, but they tried. And our goal is should be ending partisanship. It should be getting people equal voices. They're saying, you hear Democratic news all the time say Georgia is restricting votes, and it's purely based on black people. When you can cite many are you can cite many studies saying that their gun control measures are only directed at black people and it's to prevent minorities from getting guns. You can do that too. There's many studies citing both. But it's not racist. None of this is. And when you say Georgia has been restricting their votes, though making it easier to vote than it was before, you are automatically spreading your political agenda to those who are not political. Most Americans are not political. They don't know the political system. They are non-affiliated. And that's why we are non, We have many non-affiliated local offices in America. They do not conform to a group of people. They conform to the people, to the constituents of those they represent and they govern. They do not conform to the group ideology that they most agree with. I would not conform to the Libertarian Party's ideology. They do not have it all right. I do not support anarcho-capitalism, but I do not support the government coming and taking my guns. I do not support the government punishing me, my family, or anybody, depriving them of life, liberty, property, the pursuit to happiness, and the right to access property. They, I don't like the government depriving these for crimes without a victim. Examples, owning a firearm, driving under, under 16. These crimes 
should only be really enforced if you commit another crime while doing it that's actually affecting somebody. If you are out carrying a gun in public, just carrying it out concealed, concealed carrying your firearm, nobody can see it. Yet they randomly spot search you and then find you have a firearm, you're getting arrested for one charge, possessed it, possessing of a concealed firearm non-violent. Nobody was hurt in this instance. No victim was present. Yet, <clears throat> yet, you turn out to end up being the victim, not to yourself, not about the crime, but to the government system of control. The partisanship gives control to this government. It gives one party complete control over two years. Now, I'm not saying that because the Republican Party, which most conforms to my ideology, lost in the Democratic triad. They're most likely not going to win in 2022. I hate to say it. I'm not saying this because I'm saying because it's been prevalent since the early 1900s, since any time when we had racism prevalent because these people could not vote. These people were victims not to themselves or to the crimes they committed. They were victims to a, well, I believe the Democrats, the, the old Democratic Party pushed for this, but they were victims to the government authoritarianism. They were deprived of life, liberty, the pursuit to happiness, and property based off of an authoritative rule. Authoritarian rule, sorry. This was caused by a strict partisan line. Not by giving these people, you could have easily, they could have easily put the Equal Rights Amendment into law if and when people actually came together. Instead, people were forced to conform to these strict views that their ancestors set. That was the rule that made them, that made them have to hate different people. I've heard many stories, not sure how true, they're purely hearsay. I've heard many stories of parents telling white or black children that they couldn't play with the opposite race, and they would be confused on why. Because they don't see the social stigma. They don't see anything social about it. The problem is, when you address this and tell them why, they have to conform to a view on it. If they don't understand why, and they accept everyone as equal, if they don't even think about a different race, gender, ethnicity, ethnicity, or religion being any different there than their own, the discrimination just won't be there. And if you do say it is there, it's purely coincidental. We have more than 50% of white people in the United States. More than 50% are white. I'm getting into race now. This is very on topic. And so it's understandable that we have more than 50% of more than 50% of doctors are white. But citations, people are citing that black people don't have this. This is racist. This is inherently racist. This is not systemic racism. This is pure statistical substantive value. This is what's going to happen when you have this substantive graph, when you have this, these substantive numbers put together. They line up, but when you take it purely out of context, when you saw Reagan, when he made a chart and showed the tax cut, he zoomed in on the top part 
this was a misleading graph. The same thing is done with Democrats. This is a not just a Republican or Democrat issue. This is a partisanship issue. Without partisanship, none of these issues would arise. It would purely be representatives and delegates of their states and their respective districts equally spreading their views and their constituents' views. We see this with UK Parliament now. It's a bunch of people yelling across the aisle. They move whether they're in support or opposition. The thing is, there is little to no partisanship, maybe among Tories. There's, there are those, but again, they mostly represent. They represent more their people's views than their party. This might just be another social thing that happened in Britain that did not carry over to America. This might not. They might, I don't pay attention much. They might actually be doing it. I don't know. I do not, I'm, I'm not active in United Kingdom politics because I do not reside in their country. <clears throat> but what I can tell you, the encumbering of our rights, when the government encumbers our rights, restricts them, it puts the partisanship, the parties, the different parties in power on whether to restore those or not. We saw Texas and Florida choose to restore the rights to they're just the basic rights to travel, to travel, to own a business, to own property, to run that. They restored those rights to the people, and immediately it seemed clear that that was the right direction to go. While on the other line of the partisan aisle, we have Gavin Newsom, who was openly said he does not plan on opening schools fully. He does not plan on opening this. He said he would lift all restrictions by June. That is false. He's going to remove the color system in June. That does not mean he won't implement another system to keep us from voting in his recall, to keep us inside and not talking to each other. When they limit people's talking to each other, they limit the way information can spread. And when you cannot spread this information amongst yourselves, your peers, your constituents maybe, it hurts them when you prevent representatives from hearing our people's concerns, which luckily my county has not, but we are a rather small county. My county has not restricted that, and so our concerns have been heard in our county board of supervisors, our city council, our mayor has heard them, our representative that we share with other counties for some reason, um, our representative even hears them. And that's because we have we have just not obeyed his restrictions i didn't even know you couldn't pray in your own home until the supreme court said yeah that law is unconstitutional nobody was following this you cannot just restrict people from expressing from manifesting their religion in their own home when there's no danger to public safety though now it's starting to show that the restrictions are not helping public safety, but rather hurting it. And it puts further confusion into the minds of the citizens of the states to this country. It puts way more confusion, confusion and a ton of pressure on these people when they could have relieved this pressure early on. <clears throat> we have many people refusing to take the vaccine because the media the government has been very misleading on this vaccine, which is just further more pressure onto the person. 
when you're not misleading on something, people will be more likely to believe it. Or when you at least hide your misleading. But when you openly mislead the people and make it blatantly obvious, then it becomes a problem. The people start to riot. The people have been locked up in their homes for over a year. It makes sense that they're going to go out and riot against something. That's just how people are. We're social creatures, and we prevent that social aspect of the life, of the lives. When you prevent this, the people will fall into an open depression. The people will go and riot and cause chaos. If we didn't, if we didn't have a lockdown, January 6th would have probably not happened. These people would have been able and been able to go and do their things, and they would have not rioted the Capitol on January 6th. They would have not threatened the lives of our elected officials in the second and third and fourth, I believe, people in line for the presidency. They would have not destroyed the house that protects our republic and democracy. They would have not done this if only the people could be heard. But when we have the part when we have these political parties in direct competition, in direct competition, it can be hard for a member of the public's voice to actually be heard. You can go to your county board of supervisors, you can contact your representative or your, your representatives to your county board of supervisors, or any representative for that matter. Little chance they might not get back to you but your local office is more likely to. You can get your voice heard by emailing comments in or going down to your local thing. But those, those kinds of governments have little to no legislative authority. We have um, the Board of Supervisors contains the executive, the judicial and, or sorry, the executive, the legislative and quasi-judicial authority over the county. But this is minimized by the state and by the federal government. So they are actively pushing against the peoples who are nonpartisan, who are not affiliated against their voices. This is practically voter suppression. Voter suppression is not limiting no not limiting dropback boxes, though it has been done by Governor Gavin Newsom against drop boxes in Republican places. This is not about mail-in voting, though Gavin Newsom has restricted mail-in voting for his recall election when it concerns him. Another citation of corruption. When we give too much power into the hands of one person, it creates an autocratic style government, though it might only be part of the executive power it should be invested into another person. That's why we have a branch of government, not an executive person. We have an executive branch to spread it out among secretaries and department heads, as well as the governing head. And when we fail to do this, it creates another way for tyranny and corruption to spark. We have heard many, many cases of corruption being caught in North and South Dakota. But when you catch corruption, it actually proves that there is not corruption present. Because you wouldn't get caught if you were corrupt. 
is playing on that. You would be so corrupt, you'd pay off the prosecutor. You wouldn't get convicted of corruption. You wouldn't get convicted of corruption. And that's partisan funding. Your party will pay to keep you in office, to hide things from the public just to keep you in office. We have the Republican Party trying to keep the Wisconsin senator in office for as long as possible. They're trying to get him to run again, though he's old, just so a Democrat can be elected. This is the kind of partisanship done by both, both parties, that cannot carry on and continue if our union will be stayed, staying for the people. It has been slowly leaving the people's grasp since after the Civil War. The people have been losing day by day rights and control over itself and its government. And the government keeps dumbing the people down. And they keep not letting the people see the bigger picture. That the executive branch will soon have all the power placed in it or a singular party. And when you place it in a singular party, it will cause riots. I don't, I'm not going to say there's going to be civil war. I'm not going to say any of this because I'm not rioting. This is done by the people who can, are the, of the public who do not know, who do not know what is happening. This is seen for coming. It's within the future and within testament of a free state that people will start to realize how this tyrannous society is being formed. The military's first job is to protect the Constitution, not the people. But if these people are ordered to do something and they haven't done the Constitution, they're going to listen to their orders. It takes a few higher-up generals in the hierarchy of the military to order the military to kill all of the citizens. They start fresh. Boom, you got your own tyrannical government. This done properly could lead to an uprising for an authoritarian rule over the United States of America. And with an authoritarian rule comes a people's challenge, people's seeking for freedom. And when you do not give people this freedom that they so much desire, it can cause unrest. It causes much unrest, as we have seen in our lockdown. In we've had many protests that would have most likely not happened if we didn't lock people in their own homes. All it took was a few media organizations associated with the same party as politicians to come together and put people against each other. Only then does it spark does it spark a revolution, I could say. It sparks a fight among the people. If there was no fight, then what would be the point? It put When you put the people together, it's going to cause them to kill each other out. While these higher-up political elites stand by and watch as the people tear themselves apart, tear the things they own apart, tear the property that they are so entitled to apart. We have in the California Constitution that it says that people, that people are by nature free and independent and have inalienable rights. Among these are enjoying and defending life and liberty 
acquiring, possessing, and protecting property, and pursuing and obtaining safety, happiness, and privacy. Even the California Constitution says this basic line. These are inalienable rights that people should have, yet they are being restricted today. Most of the rights I have said have been taken away from the people in California. People no longer have the right to defend their life, their liberty, and acquiring, possessing, or protecting their property. They do not have the right to pursue and obtain happiness and privacy. That has been ended in California. All of that has been ended by one person of a particular partisan stance. All of that power has been given to one person by the party of his choice, which was the Democratic Party. And he took that power from the people. And he took those rights from the people as an authoritarian power grab, as an autocratic power grab. This same thing is happening when we have partisanship in our government. I have mainly cited the Democratic Party. That is just something they tend to do. They seek for authoritarianism. That's their ideology. They seek to get the power into one autocratic legal's hand. They do not wish for the people to have a vote. They wish for them to have all the power, no matter how hard it takes. They are not for the people. They are for, they are for ending the welfare and the common good of the people and society. They are for ending many petitions, many, many petitions, many, many petitions and votes to give redress, redress for all grievances caused. We, the people, the, the registered voters of California, have told the government, no, we do not want this law in place. And by a proposition, we got the law overturned as a collective of the people. But do you want to know what the government did? Do you want to know what the partisan stance of the Democratic Party did? They took this ballot measure to court. They said that the people have no right to overturn law. Doesn't this seem to violate the inalienable right to vote? Doesn't this seem to silence the people who dislike this, this law that was going to hurt the people doesn't this seem like it is taking that away and yet we only have one side heard one partisan side heard <clears throat> and this is these are the dangers of partisanship and that's why we have to seek nonpartisanship when we have no partisan affiliation we become more equal. We become more heard. We become not reduced to just civilians in a society not run by us. We become empowered and feel that we are keeping law and order within society, helping those in need of welfare for the common good. And when, the go when somebody goes against the common good and the safety and welfare of the citizens, the government's job is to stop those people, to keep law and order. Yet now it seems as if to keep law and order and to stop people 
from using their rights to govern themselves, to have not a lawless society, but a free society where liberty is not only sought after, it's, not, it's encouraged. And so when the government is denying the people their rights that are necessary for them to seek happiness for the common good, they are denying these people these inalienable rights that God entrusted us with, entrusted the people of California with, entrusted the human race as a kind with. God entrusted us with. Whether you believe it or not, it's what is in the California Constitution, the Almighty God. It doesn't matter which God you believe it is. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. For all, it could, be, it could just be, you could not believe it at all. It doesn't matter. We were entrusted with by nature, free people. And the goal is to come together as a collective, a collective to establish a governing society, a lawful society, not an authoritarian rule society who takes up the spots in our prisons, in our punishment chambers, or whatever you want to call it. That was When it takes up the spot in our prisons and jails for people who committed crimes with no victim, not caught... Not, I'm not talking about tax fraud or white-collar crimes. Those have victims. They're just on a much larger scale, like political corruption. The voter, the registered voter, is the victim. I'm talking about a drug crime when the only victim is yourself. I'm talking about when, as um, a minor, for example, you drink, no one else is affected but yourself, you shouldn't be getting that misdemeanor conviction. I'm talking about when... Gambling, when you gamble, as long as the person is knowing and they have the mental capacity to consent, then that is hurting nobody. There is no victim. When you drive 90 miles an hour on an empty road, though the speed limit is 65, you are not hurting anybody. You are not hurting anybody. They should not be able to give you, um, imprison you with a felony from a scan of a plane who just sees your motorcycle or car flying by. Because you're not endangering the safety of others. That's when they should be restricting. When you're endangering the safety or common good. When you're endangering the safety of the people. And when you're endangering the common welfare that the people need to survive. This is not an anarchist view. This is a simple... I guess you could say liberal view, a socialist view, that the goal of the government is to provide for the common good of the citizens. Yet these people do not seem to understand that this is it's not meant to restrict people who are law-abiding from doing these things. Yet it does. When you impose gun control, you are restricting law-abiding citizens from owning firearms. That, that's just not right. The goal of our government, again, should not be to have a, be a partisan clusterfuck. It should be to represent the people, to be by the people, with the people, and for the people. And I'll be ending this off here. I hope you liked my little rant. See you in the next one, I guess.